42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Justin Knight. Justin, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great this evening. So, Very good. I mean, great because I'm nice and warm inside. Weather-wise, I hate it. It's terrible. Mm. You're, not a, you're not a cold man. You're not a fan of the cold? No, I hate it. It's terrible. I love it. I would we'll never it. live anywhere oh, yeah. up north. I would love to live in Chicago for a bit at some point. That's some very cold weather. Um, last time I went was, I think it was either late March or early April, and it was snowing. So, mm-hmm. Yuck. <laughs> uh, also, you're doing pretty well. Auburn got them a win. Eliminated Texas A&M from bowl eligibility. We're going to talk all about that, as well as Alabama getting a win, making uh, my okay. life a little easier as well. Uh, it's nice because whenever both teams loses, nobody listens to the show. So it's it's nice when they both win. Now everybody's gonna listen. Now everyone in the world is gonna is gonna listen in. Tune in tonight, six o'clock. <laughs> I mean, they're already they're already tuned in if they're hearing this, aren't they? But uh, that's true. Yeah, I forget sometimes. <laughs> we do record this. We pre-record this typically early that morning, Sunday morning, sometimes Saturday nights. Uh, this time. Sunday morning though it's always better I feel like Sunday morning um, because we have some time to like look back at some things and gather some news but sometimes this doesn't work out and that's okay too it's true Hmm. anyway Justin we do have to get into the news of the week the first part of news is that Washington Commander's owner Dan Snyder was sued on Thursday by the District of Columbia Attorney General Carl Racine for allegedly covering up decades of abuse and sexual harassment inside his NFL team. In an unexpected twist, Snyder had company in the 45-page complaint. The NFL and commissioner, Roger Goodell, were named as co-defendants in the complaint alongside Snyder. In a nutshell, Racine is alleging that as Snyder was covering up his own misdeeds, Goodell and the NFL were covering up for Snyder. Very interesting. Yeah, you would think uh, the district attorney in Washington would have something better to worry about than this. I mean, if if there's sexual harassment going on, that's worth looking into, I believe. Yeah. Well, they probably should have gotten somebody else involved, a district attorney. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, well, they've already had they've already had hearings in Congress with this guy. I mean, come on, there's more important things going on that they need to be worrying about. Well, regardless, this is what I guess uh, is being worried about. We're going to see how it plays out. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, I can't imagine the NFL loses a lawsuit this big, but it wouldn't be the first time. So it definitely could happen. Um, In other news, though, former FTX CEO. Apparently FTX is some sort of cryptocurrency. I wasn't familiar with it, but Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO, lost his entire $16 billion fortune in just a few days after his company filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection on Friday. 
But he's not the only high-profile investor who may lose money amid FTX's downturn, including a few athletes. One of those athletes is Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. Just a few months after winning his seventh Super Bowl in 2021, Brady and his then-wife, Gazelle, were each given equity stake in FTX in addition to receiving some crypto. Now, we do not know how much they lost, but there are rumblings that they invested their entire $650 million, um, all of their money, their entire $650 million wealth. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. And if so, they've lost everything except maybe around $7 million between the two. Um, we don't know if that's true. They've definitely lost a significant amount, though. That's That is seems to be confirmed. Uh, yeah, if that's true, a lot um, of money to just lose overnight. Yeah, um, if true, it, like I said, it doesn't really make any sense to invest all $650 million. Why not just put a million and be like, hey, let's see how this works out. If it doesn't, oop, a million to us is like a dollar to normal people. It's nothing. Yep. Um, I just don't see how that would even be possible for anybody um, who would think that's even a bright idea. Um <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know how that would even be true, but who knows? Maybe they're just really that stupid because it seems yeah. like they took care of the money pretty well over the years that he's played football and um, whenever they were married. But And then all of a sudden you're going to invest six, $650 million? That doesn't really make much sense. Well, you know, and, I, and I, this is not a gossip podcast. We're not going to sit here and gossip. But, you know, how did this factor into the divorce? Was this Tom Brady's decision to put all this money in there? And then when they realized they were going to lose it, is that the final straw? I don't know. Maybe that this was all afterward, you know. Could but be. Um, definitely not an ideal situation for either of them, it seems. I think they're going to be just fine because they're very attractive, rich people. They'll get more money <laughs> yeah, from they'll sponsors. Be right. so, yeah. Either way, they're going to be just fine. Tom Brady might have to play football until he's 55. He probably was going to do that anyway. So Yeah, so it's good. And finally in news, this is my favorite piece of news of the week. UFC President Dana White on Friday announced the launch of Power Slap, a combat sport focused on competitive open-hand striking. Hmm, what do you think interesting. about that? Uh, according to a new release, Power Slap is both sanctioned and regulated. The release says Pilgrim Media Group will produce Power Slap, which, quote, will feature competitors from across the globe competing on the ultimate stage to showcase their power Technique and resolve, unquote. According to the release airing on TBS in early 2023, Power Slap will launch with an eight-episode series in which, quote, athletes will compete to earn a spot in the cast house, the first Power Slap rankings in future Power Slap matches, and world recognition, unquote. So it's a bit of a reality show, a bit of people slapping each other. Yeah, that may be a little too far. It it was fine the way it was before. I think I've seen clips of it, and I guess they just did it for some local competitions, but now a worldwide thing? (laughs) Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I don't know. I love it. Put all these people in a house. Make them them slap each other. I think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) There used to be a a reality show. It only got one season. I tell people about this all the time because apparently no one has any memory on it. If if anybody listening to this remembers the show Unanimous, it was one season. Email in. I'd like to hear. GameManagersPod at gmail.com. But essentially, the, the premise of this reality show was like 12 people or so are locked into a basement. They have no sense of time. They can't see the outside world. They can't have their phones. They can't speak to anyone. They're just locked down there. 
and they all have to unanimously vote who will win one million dollars out of that group. Uh, you yeah, can that, drop that would out. Be interesting. You can drop out, and then you lose your vote, of course. And so, it basically came down to like two people left, and they had to sit there and like vote on which one of those two deserved the money. Um, and if you know if you're not voted, then you just spent months, possibly underground, for no reason. You know. Yeah, basically. Uh, very good premise for a show, but it didn't last probably because it was literally human abuse. But uh, very, very good, very good show, I have to say. Anyway, we probably should move on. We are going to talk about actual sports at some point. I do want to. I do want to mention that. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> about be, that. That'll be a little later. We do have to get into our wacky news of the week segment: mismanagers. Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers Audacity and specialty and news to drive you mad It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive In a world of, world of mismanagers So Justin, lately I've been using shepherdexpress.com for their articles They have news of the weird week of and they do the every week, right? So this is the week of November 10th, 2022. Every week they compile several stories on this article, and I recently have just been going in blind, just picking them based off the name that I found interesting and then reading them there. It's going to get me in trouble at some point, but we're going to sure see how will. it goes. We're going to see how it goes today. So there are, let's say, I'm going to say there's about 10 or so articles on this. So we're going to pick probably the top three or four. Let's start with this one. This one is... Dastardly deed. Going in here blind. Jerome Ellis, a Dollar General employee in Deland, Florida. Well, we got Florida in here. It's a good start. Mm. Allegedly got into an argument with a co-worker on October 24th, which prompted him to a retaliatory move that could have proved deadly. On October 25th, the victim sat down a can of Pepsi, went into the restroom. When he returned, he took a drink of the soda and noticed it tasted like cleaning supplies. Sure enough, video surveillance cameras revealed that Ellis had poured bleach into the Pepsi can, wiped it off, and spit in it. Cameras also caught Ellis trying to unplug the surveillance system. He told investigators that he put cleaning solution in the drink to get back at the co-worker, who he said was difficult to work with. Jeez. Yikes. I, yeah, maybe don't leave your drink uh, sitting around. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can't trust your co-worker. I mean, everybody's got co-workers they don't like. That's the thing. This is, this is next level right here. This is crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing he was arrested. Yeah, well, he told investigators this, so I'm sure he was already arrested at this point, yeah. but insane. This one's titled Inexplicable. A female lion at the Topeka Zoo in Kansas has grown a mane. Uh, 18-year-old Azuri, who lost her mate Avis in 2020, started producing more testosterone after his death, which has resulted in the butch look. It's nothing like the mane you would see on a fully sexually mature male lion, said Zuri's curator, Shauna Simpson. She looks like a teenage male lion. Zookeeper said along with the main Zuri has become more feisty, growling, snarling, and roaring more than before. She feels like she needs to protect her pride so her testosterone increases. That's very interesting. Mm, yeah, taking over for the pride. Yeah. I know there was a, a, a shark that essentially did this at one point. It was like it was in a, an enclosure where there wasn't any, any male to like reproduce, and it just kind of like figured it out. And just like evolve to reproduce on its own, like a frog does, and I was like, "That's insane!" You know, that's crazy. Very weird. Very interesting. I feel like you'll do that at some point. At some point, you'll just become pregnant. 
Yeah, just to reproduce another Justin. <laughs> exactly. It's just going to split in half like cell division. <laughs> yeah, like a cell. The two of you. Like, there we go. You could take my spot on. You could both just do this. That'd be great. Then I could, I could mm, walk away. I don't, I don't know if we want to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, let's see. This one is called. This one is titled "Armed and Clumsy." A man who stopped in a corn maze in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, on October 22nd to get a corn kernel out of his shoe, accidentally shot himself in the leg. A 38-year-old from Circle Pines was carrying the gun legally, and it discharged when he bent over to receive the kernel. Police said the gun did not have a safety, did not have it. They didn't have one at all, did it? And the owner wasn't charged. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's lucky that nothing worked. If your gun does not have a safety, that's insane. That's yeah, probably not the smartest move because you hear about people shooting themselves all the time because either they don't put their gun on safety, um, and it just goes off. I've heard that a bunch of times. Um, yeah. Yeah, you would think people would be a little more aware of this when you're carrying a gun on you you would think so but um no it turns out not i think you know maybe this is a bit controversial i know gun regulation is a big hot topic maybe there should be like a like a little test like how you do for um for getting your driver's license you know not your driver's license but the uh the permit maybe it should be something like that you know well i think you Just, have to go you have to carry depending on the state you have to go through uh classes and take and do a, some sort of test but I, I think that law is changing, right? I think it doesn't matter. Nobody I, I don't know. It depends on the state. Um, yeah, I believe Alabama's is changing this coming year where anybody can open carry. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't care enough. To I don't know. Yeah, I think it yeah. depends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Email in. Tell me if I'm an idiot. That's fine. I don't care. Tell me the law. I am genuinely interested. So somebody email in, gamemanagerspod at gmail.com. Tell me the law. Because I'm not going to Google it. I don't care. Um <laughs> Uh, this one is titled Spooky. There's actually two under the spooky column here. Linda Hill, owner of a rental home in Gainesville, Texas, has ghosts. Many ghosts. We've got kids and we've got old people, old guys, and we've got hookers, she said. That sounds... I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> the hookers are the most common visitors, known to stroke a male renter's face or their arm. I didn't know what that was going for a second. They try to say, stir whoa, up... <laughs> pause, pause, pause. <laughs> they try to stir up business... They can't figure out a way to conclude the transaction, so nothing ever happens, she said. Well, that's good. I'm glad that people are not committing acts with these ghosts. Not getting also, a little uh, frisky with the ghost. Also, this lady very very clearly has schizophrenia. Uh, so we I was about to say, ain't, yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> look into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Wozniak family, Baltimore, looking, up, looking to up their Halloween game, ordered a prop casket on Facebook Marketplace, but they got more than they bargained for. When they found the ashes of Edith Cruz, who had died in January of COVID-19 inside, they also found a photograph of Cruz, her death certificate, and her hospital bracelet. Okay. The Wozniaks, the Wozniaks posted about the discovery on TikTok, hoping to connect with her family members. Cruz's granddaughter happened to see the posting, and the items were returned. Cruz's family had rented the casket for the woman's service from Freeman Funeral Services, and she had been cremated afterward. That is horrible. Yeah. Interesting. Should we do one more? Yeah, throw another one in there. Okay, this one's a bright idea. Self-proclaimed Britain's dullest man, Kevin Beresford, has your holiday shopping list solution, a 2023 calendar of Britain's best parking lots. Uh, Beresford traveled the country from one end to the other, photographing parking lots and later compiling his favorite into a 12-month 
calendar. His personal favorite was Trinity Street Car Park in Birmingham, featuring walls made of crushed cars and adorned with street art. That one probably nice. wasn't worth reading, was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. They can't all be winners, can they? No. And speaking of not all being winners, we are going to talk about all the biggest games of the weekend, the biggest wins, the biggest losses, upsets, when we come back. But first, we do have to do a commercial, so stay tuned. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Welcome back, everybody, to The Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris. With me is Justin Knight. I'm still here. And we are about to talk about all the big games of the college football weekend. And I figured we would start with Alabama's 30-24 close win over number 11, Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin still not getting that win over his former employer, Nick Saban. But it seems like it's going to happen eventually. He's always right there. It comes down to the wire every time. Just not landed in his favor. Yeah, just come yes. to Auburn and he'll have a better chance. <laughs> That's very true. He almost certainly would have a very good chance uh, at beating Alabama and more probably. So... We'll see. We're going to keep an eye on that, on the coaching search. But let's talk about this game a little bit. Bryce Young looking a little bit more like Bryce Young this week. 21 for 33, 209 yards, three touchdowns. Um, And McClellan on the ground with 84 yards on 19 carries. I believe we went into the third quarter with only 30 yards on the ground, I believe. Is is that right? Yeah, that's Um, correct. Um, Yeah, the way Ole Miss defense played, you would think they should have won the game. You would think so. Um, Speaking of Ole Miss, uh, Dart... He was 18 for 31, 212 yards and a touchdown. Um, and Judkins on the ground, 135 yards, two touchdowns on 25 carries. Yeah, very good, very entertaining, close game. Um, not really the offense that you expected to see out of these two teams. Usually they're both, this game's more in the 30s or 40s as far as points go, but still very entertaining. Yeah. Um, you're right, Ole Miss's defense played very well, holding hold Bryce Young to 200 yards. Um I know that's still a lot of yards for most quarterbacks, but uh, that's pretty, you know, I mean, a lot of times he's got 150 more than that. So, Yeah, I mean, Alabama only had 317 total yards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, usually Bryce Young himself has more than that. So definitely yeah, I mean, almost stepped up. Well, once again, Lane Kiffin, you know, he makes some silly decisions to, to start the game. You know, that first drive they were moving, he should have just taken a field goal. I mean, you think back to that that last drive where they had to score a touchdown to even have a chance to win. They could have only been down three points, kick a field goal, tie that game's going to overtime. Um, yeah. So it's and small like things that like that decision, you just don't you don't think of. I like that decision traditionally against an Alabama offense, where usually field goals don't cut it. This year's Alabama offense a little different. They probably probably should have kicked that field goal. You know, in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, well, and like you said, it wasn't. I thought more points would be scored in this game as well. But there's only two total touchdowns in the second half. Ole Miss scored one. Alabama scored one. Alabama had three field goals in the second half that basically got them to win because they had better drives into Ole Miss territory. But yeah, I mean, if you would have told me Ole Miss would hold Alabama to under 350 total yards, you would think, oh yeah, they should probably win that game. But nope, they still. Find yeah. a way they they still just can't beat Alabama. So I think that's six straight losses to them now, six or seven. 
It's yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a streak going on. You mentioned the kicking game. Will Reichard perfect on the night. Three for three on field goals. Three for three on extra points. His longest field goal, 49 yards. Still unbelievable to see a quarterback at Alabama be able to do that because it went so long not having that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, either way, very good. We are. Um, let's see where both these teams have cupcakes next week. I know Alabama does. What about Ole Miss? Who does Ole Miss have? Uh, I think Ole Miss may have another. Yeah, they have to go to Arkansas. Oh, so not not necessarily a cupcake. Um, yeah, would it shock me if they somehow lost that game? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alabama is hosting Austin P. Um, that's not Ooh, even worth shaking talking in your about. boots, huh? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hey, Ole look, Miss. Austin P. Go ahead and put your betting money on them. They have a point four percent chance to win. That's a lot of money if you if they win. You put down a hundred bucks. That's, that's like a lot of money because yeah. my guess is Alabama would probably be um, thirty five to forty point favorite. Because um, I think Austin P is an FCS school, if I'm yes. correct. So, yeah. Um, which I mean, they're a good FCS school. Give them that. But I mean, <laughs> it's a completely different world. So yeah, I'd probably say thirty thirty five forty. Um, if I'm a betting man, if I were going to throw some money, let's see. Austin P loses by less than that, huh? I would say I'm going to say Austin P. If you're if you're a betting man, you need to put down a hundred dollars. Austin P. wins outright, and then tell me how that goes. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, that would be a huge win out. The worst thing that can happen is you lose your money. You know? Yeah, hundred bucks. Who cares about that? It's paper. You, know, you can go, no. go find some more. You can print more if you really want it. Yeah, to. Alabama will win forty nine three. If I had to guess, if I'm Alabama too, I would just play the start uh, the backups the whole game. Yeah, might as well. Uh, Ole Miss, you're, they are playing five and five. Arkansas, they have a sixty seven point nine percent chance of winning according to the ESPN matchup projector. Projector, excuse me. Um, we don't have the money line out yet on ESPN.com, but very interesting. Very good. Very good. It was nice to see Nick Saban uh, smiling after a game again after a couple. Yeah, of weeks he was excited. I think he kind of yeah. knows it's been um, more of a difficult season just because of the expectations that were set for this year. So, yeah. Yeah, and majority of their games have been like this, where it's been one possession. <laughs> so right. most of them have been pretty, um, you know, gut wrenching or you know, sitting on well, the edge of your yeah. seat. So he's had two losses. Both combined four points, I believe it was uh, a difference. Yeah. You know, one touchdown and they're undefeated. So now they've they've won pl- plenty of games just that close too. Uh, yeah, I was about to say you could also say a couple of things go the other team's way and they have five losses on the season. Yeah, so, four or five, which is crazy to think too. It really doesn't matter how you spin it; they have two losses, but it, you know, yeah. it is, uh, and that's the bottom line. Let's talk about Georgia's big win over Mississippi State, continuing to just look dominant as they are now 10-0, 45-19 over Mike Leach's Mississippi State Bulldogs. Um, Setson Bennett, 25-37, 289 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks. Uh, and Will Rogers, 29-51, for 51, 261 yards, a touchdown <laughs> 51 times. Just airing that thing out. Uh, yeah, I, imagine throwing it 51 times and you still only throw for 260 yards. It's tough. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's tough. Um, McConkley for Georgia also getting a touchdown on the ground, as well as Milton and Bennett also getting another one rushing there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, nobody thought Mississippi State was going to have a chance in this game. Um, but nope. Always, I'll, I'll, Georgia just staying consistent these days, just beating down everyone. I'm, I'm afraid that long gone are the days of them slipping up to teams like South Carolina. Um, seems no, like they've that, that, yeah, that is that's long gone at this point. At, you know, at this point, it's going to be Georgia running the SEC. It feels that way. Yeah. Um, especially now with Alabama with two losses, particularly this year. Definitely running the SEC, definitely running the East, unless we see how Tennessee bounces back next year, which if they come back just as strong, maybe we'll have a little continued competition over there, but not much of a competition between those two on the field uh, last no. Saturday. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately. Would have loved to have seen Tennessee win that. We've talked about it. Oh, Stetson Bennett, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of this game. He had two picks and a fumble. I think, yeah, the fumble was recovered, but uh, I guess Mississippi State was giving him a little trouble on the defensive side of things. Not enough to stop 45 uh, That's about to say, not, not enough to do points. points. Yeah, <laughs> but very good. Let's see what Georgia has coming down the pike here. They have Kentucky next week. Okay, well, Kentucky will not have their top 25 ranking next week. We're going to talk about that. No, they probably shouldn't even be top 50 after losing to Vanderbilt. Yeah, so well, that should be an easy win. And Georgia Tech as well will be an easy win. So mm, That's going to be a murder. I don't even know why they still play Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State. Let's see who they have coming up. It looks like Mike Leach and the Bulldogs are going to have ETSU. What is that, Eastern Tennessee State? Is that what that is? I believe and so. Then, and then Ole Miss to finish out the season, of course. Yeah, that was Ole Miss. Yeah. Let's move on, though. How about, this is one we won't talk about very long, but one that uh, you watched more so than I did. TCU remaining undefeated, number four team in the country, now 10-0, beating number 18 Texas, team now 6-4, 17-10. Tell, tell me about this game. I really didn't get to watch much of it. Um, I honestly thought T- um, Texas was going to win just because TCU's defense had been kind of struggling recently and hadn't really been great all year. I mean, every game so far, let's see, the lowest they'd given up was Colorado, which Colorado sucks, 13 points. Um, SMU scored 34 on them. Oklahoma scored 24. I mean, everybody was scoring points on them. Texas is at home. You're thinking, okay, I think they got some momentum. Texas should be able to score some points on them. They didn't even score an offensive touchdown all night. Um, Let's see, what what did uh, Quinn Evers do? I don't think anything. He was 17-39, uh, 171 yards, one interception. Couldn't run the ball. Looks like they ran for 28 yards. Pathetic. Oh um, yeah, it's just another one of those games where Texas fans are part of like, really, Sark? This is the best you can do? You can't even score a touchdown at home against a defense that really been struggling. But um, I was impressed. TCU um, looks like they really could make the playoff. At, at this point, it's really – I mean, they have Baylor. They should beat next week. Then they got Iowa State, and then just win the Big Twelve championship, and they're in. Um, now, are they going to compete with anybody else? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Georgia would probably handle them. Ohio State would probably handle them. Um, so they look. But like I said, I was surprised because Texas was, was a, a six and a half point favorite. So I thought you know they would easily cover that and win. Um, so disappointing if you're a Texas fan with Sark. I mean, six and four. There's been some highs and lows, um, but I'll give it off to TCU. I mean, they've they didn't really 
they ran the ball really well. They ran for 159 yards. But other than that, they didn't really do anything. What year is this for Sark? Is this year three? Uh, this is only two, isn't it? Is it only two? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, guess. last year was so disappointing. It felt like it probably lasted two or three years for Texas fans. But yeah, I, I try to give coaches two year benefit, and then by year three, there, things should be looking up. So yeah, I mean, I this we'll year obviously it's been much year. better for Texas. Um, I think next year they should have a shot of being pretty good because Quinn Evers. He'll be to be his second season. Should have some better recruits. Um, yeah, if they can't find a way to at least get to ten wins, then maybe you start thinking about uh, is this going to work out? Really quickly, let's talk about Washington uh, beating upsetting Oregon thirty-seven to thirty-four in a close one. Bo Nix uh, did all he could do. It seems nineteen of twenty-seven, two hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns. His QBR was still a ninety point nine. Um, and also, also had a ran for 59. Well. Yeah, yeah. And a, yeah, 59 rushing and a touchdown, only nine carries. Yeah, I mean, he did, it seems like he did all he could do, um, but not enough to overcome Washington uh, putting up 37 on. Well, Oregon's defense, I believe, is ranked nationally at the bottom in most yeah. categories, which is nothing new. Their defense usually sucks, but they had a questionable call. I think there was only like a minute – 30 left and they went for it on fourth and one on their own like 30 or 35 yard line um didn't really get that i guess they knew like oh gosh we punted back oh washington's probably going to drive it down anyway so they're like we might as well go for it here but you know who knows what could have turned out differently but yet oregon's defense is awful abysmal it's terrible oregon also missed a field goal too that could have um would have the score tied up as well so um i mean yeah. Oregon had 592 total yards. You would think, oh, yeah, man, should be a pretty solid win. Nope. Hmm. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, um, not another one I got to watch a whole lot of outside of highlights this morning. But, yeah, Bo Nix still looked great. Uh, everything else, not very, not clicking, uh, to say the least. Let's move on, though. We are running short on time. LSU and Arkansas. LSU pulling out a close one. Over now five and five Arkansas who are fighting for bowl eligibility thirteen to ten, um, and this all this seems to happen after you know after a big emotional win uh, you know sometimes teams are a little shook up and they don't necessarily win that next week. Uh, luckily for LSU they did pull it out, but not the same LSU we saw against Alabama. Not even close. Yeah, it's never a good sign when you have an 11 o'clock game on the road, freezing cold as well. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think LSU was a three-point favorite, and <laughs> there you go. They won by three. Um, yeah, the offense couldn't do anything. Defense, LSU's defense looks great. Um, now Arkansas, too, had a backup. They had to go to the third-string quarterback because KJ wasn't even playing. The second string didn't look very good. Um, so that's never, that doesn't look good. And then you still barely won against the third string, but, um, they did what they had to do. Um, they won the West and we'll get <laughs> destroyed by Georgia and SC championship game. Won't even be worth watching. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, we mentioned this one. Now a bit. Georgia's going to be looking forward to it though. Cause last time they met in 2019, LSU killed Georgia. So that's I know true. Georgia's probably been waiting for this moment. Oh, yeah, nice little rematch here a few years after the fact. Um, Vandy upsetting Kentucky 24-21. Hey, hey. 
Uh, not a lot I have to say about this one except just disappointing. <laughs> just hey, the Vandy coach, he came in with some high expectations, and look where they're at. They got their first conference win since 2019. Um, he said they I were going to be the nation. So this is they still have a shot of um, bowl eligibility, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are they, six. four and six? Let's see who they got left. Oh, well, they have Tennessee coming up. Never mind. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, they have Tennessee to end the season. They have Florida coming up this next week. So, yeah, they'll finish yeah, four and eight. Not. But, yeah. I mean, still much better considering what past Vanderbilt seasons have been. Yeah. And lastly, uh, one we'll probably have the most to say about Auburn beating Texas A&M 13-10. to 10. Texas A&M now eliminated from bowl eligibility. 3-7, and seven, uh, uh, no chance. Jimbo's $125 million buyout looking more and more doable, more and more justifiable every week. And um, this, was, this was a fun one as well. It was nice to see Cadillac get that win. Uh, his post-game interview on the field was very nice, very lovely. Um, I, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously very charismatic, very likable. I can see why some people want him to have a shot as being the permanent head coach. I don't think that's a good idea, but I think it's a good idea to keep him on staff if possible. Um, yeah. Um, oh, geez. I, you don't you don't really see a team that's three and six go and sell out, you know, a home game against another yeah. three and six team, and um, have a lot of energy behind the coach. It makes you wonder why they didn't make this move earlier. I know they're still looking for an AD, but um, could have easily fired Harson a lot early in the season. Maybe you could have snuck in a couple more wins. Who knows? I don't um, think they. I don't think they anticipated the the reaction they have gotten for oh, no. Cadillac. I mean, I, I didn't, but like, I certainly they didn't because they didn't even name him as the interim initially. They they took a day or two and thought about it. Yeah, they did. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think there will be some. You know, I I think he is a backup choice for a backup choice for a backup choice, maybe fourth or fifth in line. If it came to that, maybe sign him for a year or two-year deal because he would probably take it for relatively cheap. Um, but if you can get Lane Kiffin, that's what you got to go for. Or well, Deion yes, Sanders. he's yes. – he's, I would love to get him. Now, only – I think he he would be named head coach if you know, they beat West Kentucky next week and then they pulled off a miracle against Alabama to get bowl eligibility and then they win their bowl game – then they would probably just be like, all right, let's go ahead and name the head coach just with this momentum he's put into this program. Looks good for recruiting. Um, Recruits would want to go play for this guy that's got a lot of energy, loves his players, loves the university, loves the fans. Um, It's definitely a recruiting pitch, but I think that's the only way they would would hire him is if that happened. Um, Definitely, he needs to be on the staff 100%. Um, keep him back as a running back coach or bump him up to an OC if he's looks pretty good play calling. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I love it. I, you know, I love Cadillac when he played at Auburn, one of the top running backs we've had in the program. Um, but you you can just tell how much he loves the university. It's hard to find that with a lot of coaches um, that just truly love where they're at and love the university. are very thankful that they played there. And, I mean, he says that. He's like, Auburn gave me so much, so – I'm going to try to give all I can back to it. Um, but, yeah, the game-wise, I thought defense was outstanding. Now A&M's offense really hadn't done anything much, you know, all season. Um, but, I mean, held A&M to 215 total yards. Had a lot of good pressure on a quarterback. Run defense I thought was really good. 
really shouldn't have even – I mean, that, that touchdown they scored was kind of a garbage touchdown. They scored late in the game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the offense still – Run-wise, I mean, we ran for 270 yards. I think the run offense is finally starting to pick up some momentum. Line looks a little bit better. But, man, Ashford couldn't. He can't throw the ball to save his life. If he was standing in the middle of the ocean, he would find a way to miss the ocean trying to throw a pass. <laughs> it's awful. Um, he, I just don't see him being the quarterback of the future unless he no. shows a lot of improvement in the offseason with his accuracy and passing. Because he obviously has a lot of athletic ability, runs around very well, um, but I think there's just better options. If you could get somebody in the portal, um, we still have to wait and see about Calzada, how he looks. Uh, Holden Griner, who's a true freshman, hadn't you know he's been the backup, third string majority of the season. I think he has some potential. So it really just depends on the off season. But um, you know, Tank had a wonderful game. He ran for 121 yards. Him and Hunter both ran for exactly 121 yards. They had a great night. Um, Hunter's only a sophomore, I believe. So I think Hunter, we could possibly get two more seasons out of him. He he looks great. He runs really hard, hard to tackle. Tank's going to be gone after this season. But and then receiving wise, I mean, just to show how bad our passing game is, Tank was a leading receiver with 20 yards. Yeah, that's tough. Um, so and two and I think the issue. I, Anybody that just kind of glances at the game would be like, oh, the line you know, just doesn't block very well. I think you notice now with Ashford, as he drops back, he looks probably for a second or two seconds, and then he's already thinking about running. He doesn't yeah. give any plays enough time to develop, to stand in the pocket, move up in the pocket. What he does, he drops back, and then he runs backwards, either to the right or to the left, just to try and run around. He doesn't step into the pocket. Um but once again, he's a freshman. He hadn't had any playing experience, um, so that that takes time to develop. But we'll see. Maybe he shows a lot of growth, you know, throughout the rest of the season and in the off season. But overall, very pleased, very happy for Cadillac and for Auburn. Um, you won't ever see a team that is now four and six celebrate that much either after a game as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And Tough hey, year. Jimbo and A and M are not going to a ball. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about A and M and their future i guess this is one two three four five six straight losses yeah first time since 72 they've lost six in a row they have umass coming out presumably that will be a win finally uh presumably yeah Yeah. (laughs) um they finished out the year probably with a loss to lsu if we had to make an educated guess Um, hey yeah a&m took the personal eight and four talks and just switched and said hey we'll go four and eight show (laughs) y'all I don't know how this happened. I don't know how. I mean, eight and four is not great. Nobody wants to be eight and four, but at least that was consistent. What? How did this happen? Where, how did we get here? Is what I want. How are we gonna probably end the year four and eight as Texas A&M? <laughs> that offense is dreadful. Um, he's gone through three quarterbacks this year. The mo- the one that showed the most potential was the one that started against us last night and started against Old Miss, uh, Wayman. I mean, he didn't look very good last night either, but he didn't really have a lot of time to throw the ball, and they couldn't run the ball. Um, I don't know. It's just some weird. There's they also, I think there's just some issues with the players. There was a running back last night that's supposed to be a really talented. Muhammad, I think, is his last name. Didn't even play because he had a spat with Jimbo, so he was sitting on the bench the whole game. There's been some issues with some other players suspended, but I guess though, it just seems like you know, no matter how much you offer a player. Side. 
if you can't have a good discipline program, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I guess that's what I was getting at. At some point, you have to think, is the problem every single player, or is it just the coach? You know, and it's probably the easier answer that it's just the coach. But but yeah, how did he let the team get to this point? Um, why did this happen? How did this happen? What are they gonna do? Are they gonna bring him back? At this point, it's starting to look like I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say. It, it would be hard to fathom paying that kind of buyout. I think in their mind, they're like, all right, look, we're just at the number one recruiting class. Let's let's give it one more season. Um, you know, this is <laughs> miserable. Should have never happened. Shouldn't be ending the season. More than likely, it's going to be four and eight, like we said. Um, it's Texas A&M, who you know is usually a solid program, as we know. Um, but ever since Jimbo's been there, he had the one season, the COVID season, where he actually did something. And honestly, you look back at a COVID season, you're like, eh, you know, how much do I really want to count this? It was a COVID year. It's kind of a weird season. Um, so. I don't know. I mean, would it surprise me if they said, screw this, I'm done fooling with Jimbo? Heck, I'm tired of seeing him on the sideline wearing his glasses down all the way halfway down his nose looking at his dumb play. He shouldn't be calling plays. I think I saw someone say that. He needs to give up his play calling, hire a good OC, give him one more season, let's see what happens. If, heck, but now say they're successful next year, then it's like, man, Jimbo was screwing us for this many years because he's calling terrible plays. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. So... But he needs Listen. to give up the play call and hire a talented OC. Listen to this. This is a good stat for you. This comes from NCAA, NCAAF Nation 247 on Twitter. Jimbo Fisher makes 22.5 times more annual, more money annually than Cadillac Williams and just lost 13 to 10 for him. Cadillac's on a $400,000 salary. Of course, Jimbo's yeah. on a $9 million salary. <laughs> um, and another and, reason I said he could get, see, he nobody... get Cadillac. You get kind of like cheap. You could probably get them for a million a year. Oh, easily. Take it, yep. you know? But nobody, I don't see how anybody could be excited to go play for Jimbo Fisher. He's so boring and dull. Yeah. He, I just, I like I said, I've said it over and over again. It's probably like a broken record. I've never liked him as a coach. He lucked out with his uh, national championship because he had Jameis Winston. They barely won that game. Um, other than that, he's done nothing. He's done zero. Yeah. Zip. Well, and I think it's it's going to be very if they if they were to fire him this year, which I don't think will happen. They can't, but they can't they can't afford to keep him. They can't afford to fire him either. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, they're they're just going to give him more season and deal with yeah. it. Let's say point. they didn't though. Let's say if they did fire him this year, then he's just ruined Texas A&M the same way he ruined Florida State. And who's going to yeah, want to hire him after that? He, he probably <laughs> Florida State fans are just all anyway. over now because Florida State's having a successful season. I think yep. they're seven and three now. Um, and they're just and you know they're loving it. They're like, hey, now you're getting A and M's living through what we had to deal with. Yeah, and he was just let off the hook for that. Nobody, nobody really even the media cared that he just left that program in shambles. Um, no, and now we're seeing it happen again. And quite frankly, I love it. <laughs> you know, to be I do too. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a goober. Yeah. Anyway, we do need to move on. We are running low hey, on time. Real quick, though, I just want to shout out to um, a guy that's not getting a lot of attention, and that is uh, North Carolina's quarterback. Once again, um, he, he needs an invite to the Heisman uh, presentation. The dude's having a fantastic – he threw – he was 31-49, 30, 449, 448 yards, three touchdowns, 
Also ran for 71 yards and one touchdown. Having a fantastic year. So here's his stats now in the season. I believe this is up to date. He's thrown for 3,412 yards, which is third in the country. 34 touched passing touchdowns, which is first in the country. And then only three interceptions. I mean, the dude's thrown it 361 times. You only have three interceptions. So it's very impressive. And even his running – let me see if I can pull up his rushing stats as well because that would be – Wonderful to see, too. Let's see. Say, this, He's also run been, for 584 yards. How many, how many did you say? He's run for 584 yards in the season, five rushing touchdowns. Wow. Very good. Very good. True freshman. Yeah. Or either retro freshman, but he's a freshman. So, um, And North Carolina has won their division, so they'll be playing Clemson in the AC uh, championship. Very good. Well, that's 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 fun to hear. That's uh, always nice to see a, a young guy like just put up absurd numbers. Always fun. That could have been your professor night for the week, honestly. Yeah, I mean, let's just uh, put professor night intro into that right there. <laughs> let's do it. Let's put it right here. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the learning corner with Professor Knight. <laughs> What are we learning today, Professor? I actually did have something else interesting, just oh, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this happened back on November 8th. It was this day in history. You know, we love our history here. 1895, uh, the German scientist discovers uh, X-rays. Oh, wow. By Wilhelm, Wilhelm Rongden, Rongden, something like that. First person to observe x-rays, a significant scientific advancement that would ultimately benefit a variety of fields, as we know. Uh, so it occurred in Würzburg, Germany, lab where he was testing whether cathode rays could pass through glass when he noticed a glow coming from a nearby chemically coated screen. He dubbed the rays that this? caused this glow x-rays because of their unknown nature. What year was this? Uh, this was 1895. Oh, okay, good. He wasn't even a Nazi. That's nice. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> um, so let's see. It was labeled a medical miracle, and x-ray soon became an important diagnostic tool in medicine, allowing doctors to see inside the human body for the first time without surgery. In 1897, x-rays were first used on a military battlefield during the Balkan War to find bullets and broken bones inside patients. Um, So they were slow on this side, though, to comprehend the harmful effects of radiation. Mm. Initially, it was believed x-rays passed through flesh as harmlessly as light. (laughs) However... Within several years, researchers began to report cases of burns and skin damage after exposure to x-rays. And in 1904, Thomas Edison's assistant, Clarence Dolly, who had worked extensively with x-rays, died of skin cancer. Dolly's death caused some scientists to begin taking the risk of radiation more seriously, but they still weren't fully understood. Wow. Well, very good. Thank you, Professor. Very good. Yeah, I thought that was very neat. Well, we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with our TG Emmys, our weekly awards, and some listener letters. So stay tuned. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Game Managers Podcast, where we are about to give out the most prestigious awards in sports history, the TG Emmys. I'm Nick Norris. With me, Justin Knight. Oh, good evening. Now, Justin, we do have a few awards here we need to give out, and I will start off with Best Quote of the Week. 
And this actually came from, no surprise here, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. As he was walking down to the tunnel at halftime, ESPN sideline reporter Molly McGrath asked for his reaction to some of the play calls of the first uh, first half. He responded, What's your reaction? You're the you're watching the same game I am. I think you should comment on it, whether positively or negatively, whatever is running through your mind. <laughs> Dude is such a goober. I, <laughs> I mean, I know Mississippi State probably is glad to have him, but I mean, Mississippi State will just be average every single season with him. And they're okay with that. You know, I don't yeah, think I think they're, they're fine with average. doing yeah. being eight and four. <laughs> which I mean, they haven't really won anything, so eight and four is good for them. Yeah, yeah. So. Good for him. What what award do you have for us this week? Um, mine is you know coach of the week. And it's got to go to Cadillac. Um, yeah, great good. performance. Uh, really, I mean honestly, it could be two and zero. Oh. Mississippi State game could have gone either way. Um, I think he's had two great performances as a head coach so far. Um, great win last night. So he's my uh, coach of the week and uh, just person of the week. Very very good. Uh, picking up piggybacking off of that. Best of the week, we have to give it to Auburn's win over Texas A&M, forcing the Aggies to miss bowl eligibility. That's the key part there. Uh, <laughs> that is going to get them the best of the week. Putting uh, the Aggies out of a bowl for the first time in, what do we say, like 2006 or something like that, something crazy. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's been a while. So I know we looked it up last week. So very good, very good. And bust of the week, opposite of best of the week. I have to give it to Oregon's defense, that upset loss. Mm. Come to number 25, Washington, wasting a very uh, great quarterback performance that now nobody will probably remember. Um, yeah, got to give it to that Oregon defense specifically. I agree. All right, well, let's move on to listener letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you. Uh, if you would like to reach the show, you can do so by emailing us at gamemanagerspod at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TGMPod. Uh, this first letter comes from Rob. We've talked about this a little bit already. Could Cadillac realistically be a candidate for the head coach job? Uh, I believe you said he, they they would need to win out and Wayne Kiffin would still need to say no. I think is what your, your thoughts was there. Yeah, um, I think he's obviously a target and potential head coach at this point just because the reaction everybody's had to him as a head coach and you know the energy he's had um yeah i think he would have to win out go to a bowl game and then if he and then if he wins the bowl game too i would say go ahead and take that interim label off of um head coach and make him the head coach um like i said the ceiling could be you could have a dabo sweeney i mean that's the ceiling just because of the kind of similarities I've had coming into the program. But then it could also be a Matt Luke situation at Old Miss too, and it just doesn't work. So, mm. you know, it's always it's definitely a risk. But, I mean, if he finds a way to win out this season, heck yeah, I, I'm totally behind making him the head coach. And let's go to a letter from Jack. What bowl matchup do you want to see for Alabama? Um, the only one I don't want to see is Clemson. I know that's probably the one we're going to get. Uh, I yeah, don't want to see that. That's so old. Yeah, um, I, I I would love to see UCF Malzahn versus Saban again. Um, there's a few other teams I wouldn't mind seeing. I wouldn't mind if we if Tennessee didn't make the playoff, which it seems like they will. Um, 
maybe a, some sort of rematch in a in a you know in a, a New Year Six with Tennessee, if that was even possible. Probably not, since they're both SEC. Um, but you know, uh, probably the number one for me is probably UCF right now. What about you? Who who would I want to see Alabama play in a bowl game? Yeah. Um, USC, I think would be cool. Oh yeah, um, that's a good one. I mean, I think USC still has a shot of making the playoff if they win out and some other things go their way. But um, and that would probably because I think be USC is going to jump up to seventh now. So I mean, there's still a chance, but it's it's slim. Um, you, I think USC would be cool just because you'd see Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams against um, Bryce Young. Um, yeah, that's probably really it. I can't really think of anybody else that yeah, would be entertaining. Maybe Oregon, Bo Nix, yes. you know, playing Alabama too. again. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Rob and Jack, for reaching us at. Yeah, great uh, questions. If you would like to do the same, you can do so game managers pod at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at TGM pod. But that really wraps up the show for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Those of you who came back to listen after. Uh, we understand you taking a week off last week. Everybody needed a little breather. Uh, so <laughs> we, yeah, we forgive you. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but, uh, but we don't to, really truly forgive you. No, you. We we looked up the statistics. We have each of your names, your addresses. You will be receiving yep. something in the mail within the week. You're gonna get some hate mail. It's not something you want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, thank you all for listening, though, and uh, we will see you next week. Hey, y'all have a great week, Auburn fans. Hey, we got some exciting things coming our way. We got a great program, as you can see. Not any other program I know of can sell out a three and six game. So also, that's a good pitch too for head coach. Auburn fans love Auburn, and hey, as always, Wrigley. Anyways, I, I should say I, I do not um, mention that I'm an Alabama fan as much as you mention you're an Auburn fan, and it probably makes this show seem like it leans a specific way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it just I shows am, the I difference. Am, Auburn fans love Auburn. Alabama fans just love football. That's true. I just love football and I love Sorry for the Alabama fans out there. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara. Sayonara.